welcome to the English show. Now to start us off, we have Vox Pops, where we will be interviewing random students on random questions. Hello, Matthew. My name is Matthew as well. I'm going to ask you five questions related to nothing. All right, first question. How do you deal best with the COVID-19 situation? Uh, I just social distance and st stick to myself. Good answer. Second question. If you lived in any time and place, where would you be? Maybe the 1900s. And why is that? Because I wasn't born yet. Question three. What is your theme tune? Got it on me by Pop Smoke. Good answer. Question four. What are you most worried about at the current state of time? COVID-19 or my own health. What specifically about your health? Just how healthy I am. Last question. What are your oxymoronic thoughts on the, on the ANPR system in relation to Article 15 in the Brexit Agreement? To be honest, if I answer that, it wouldn't be very nice. So, no comment. You can say anything on air, it's fine. No comment. Thank you for taking this interview. Anytime. Hello, my name is Matthew. Sub Jack. I'm going to ask you five questions related to nothing. Hi, so Matthew. First question. How do you deal best with the COVID-19 situation? Uh, that's a good question. It's a tricky one. Um, I try to stay off social media as much as possible and try to get away from the rumours and speculation and just um, take it day by day. Good question. Oh, good answer. Sorry. <laughs> if you lived in any time and place, where would you be? Um, I'd have to pick uh, Manchester in 1999 after United had won the treble, coming back on their um, victory bus. It would be a special day. I, I remember that. Question three. What's your theme tune? Um, oh, I think I'd have to go with the uh, SpongeBob SquarePants theme tune. It's just a big part of my life, my childhood. No, that's very fair. Question four. What are you most worried about at the current state of time? Um, I think I'm most worried about um, my grandparents getting COVID-19 and the effect it would have on them. That's very fair. It's very fair. Now, last question before we let you off. What are your oxymoronic thoughts on the, on the ANPR system in relation to Article 15 in the Brexit Agreement? I'm afraid I'm not allowed to answer that question. Understood. It was an honour to interview you, Jack. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matthew. Hello, this is Matthew Heckman here with Jake Power. I have five questions related to absolutely nothing. So question one, how do you deal best with the COVID-19 situation? We would have had to spend a lot of time at home in the quarantine, maybe a lot of time outside because it was nice and warm and sunny. A lot of time with the family and a bit of Xbox. Nice. Question two. If you lived in any time and place, where would you be? Probably live somewhere sunny like California in the 70s. Good answer. Question three. What's your theme tune? Uh, a bit of Mission Impossible, yeah. Question four. What are you most worried about? Probably how we're going to deal with the whole COVID situation and how we're kind of going to work around and get with it. Nice. And the last question before I let you go. Question five. What are your oxymoronic thoughts on the ANPR system in relation to Article 15 in the Brexit Agreement? Uh, it would be good if uh, Brexit leave, but they're going to be screwed because uh, they're not going to be having any trade deals with other countries. No, specifically the ANPR system in relation to Article 15. I think it's cool. <laughs> Thank you for taking this interview. Hello, my name is Matthew Heckman. I'm here with River Rogers. I have five questions related to absolutely nothing. Question one, how do you deal best with the COVID-19 situation? Doing nothing. 
Second question. If you lived in any time and place, where would you be? Uh, America and the 80s. And why is that? Just a bit of crack. Good movies. Good fashion. Question three. What's your theme tune? Uh, <laughs> the Batman theme song. Question four. What are you most worried about right now? Um, nothing. Question five. What are your oxymoronic thoughts on the ANPR system in relation to Article 15 in the Brexit Agreement? Well, to be honest with you, I just can't get behind it. And um, it's just idiotic. And I don't want to further talk about that. Do you know what ANPR stands for? Uh, your mom. Hello, my name is Matthew Eckman. I'm here with Jody O'Carroll. I have five questions related to absolutely nothing. Question one, how do you do best with the COVID-19 situation? Yeah, just with COVID, uh, yeah, you know, it's with, uh, well, at the moment, like level five, at least we're in school, you know what I mean? Getting to see our friends and stuff, but like, yeah, I know it's a bit, it's a bit of a bummer. That's very true. How do you deal with it? Uh, I'll just deal with it as any, as any other person would, you know what I mean? It's COVID, like. Yeah, that's fair. Question two, if you lived in any time and place, where would you be? I'd probably live in Texas about two weeks ago. And why is that? I think Texas just has a great culture around surrounding its whole kind of premises. Question three. What's your theme tune? Uh, John Cena. Question four. What are you most worried about at the moment? Uh, what am I most worried about? Uh, just probably just hoping that uh, everything gets back on track with COVID. All right, last question for you, Jody. Yeah, no problem. What are your oxymoronic thoughts on the ANPR system in relation to Article 15 in the Brexit Agreement? Jeez, Matt, that's a great question. Um, with COVID and the presidential election, this uh, this coming up now on the what the fourth of November today's the third, so we'll probably now tomorrow. Um, you know what I mean? Like Biden wants to raise taxes, sixty-one percent. I heard in California, absolutely outrageous. But you know what I mean? Like it's got to be done. So uh, with Trump as well, Trump seems like a good man. Decent morals, good quiff. Uh, but, you know what I mean? Biden's probably the safer bet, but then again, he has a few abstract thoughts, but, you know what I mean? No one really knows these days just due to COVID. So, like, these masks are a bit of a nuisance as well, you know what I mean? And also, like, hand sanitizer as well. Like, apparently, that's, that's they're rocking off the shelves. But this is Brexit, Jody. Yeah, Brexit as well, actually. If you look at the, the whole Brexit system... With COVID as well, uh, like the Brexit system's a bit like a bit corrupt, if you know what I mean, because because Brexit's like it's up there, but it's not fully up there. So yeah, like as, as I said, it's up there, but it's not fully up there, and we're just kind of like making sure that you know what I mean the whole COVID doesn't affect the Brexit system. But uh, then if I just go back to Donald Trump and Joe, and Joe Biden again, it's just COVID, and no one really knows of COVID. I suppose we're in the unknown. I'd say with COVID. And, uh, yeah, just uh, any other questions, Matthew, there you want to... Jody, do you know what ANPR means? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah, ANPR. Next up, we'll go to Abdullah with the English Football Show. We'll be looking at recent top English football with some incredible results. Today, we'll be talking about English teams in the Premier League, Champions League and the Championship. We will be covering upcoming fixtures in the Premier League and we will also be talking about English teams in the Champions League. We will be talking about how their form is in the Champions League and whether or not they'll perform well in upcoming fixtures. 
We will also be talking about surprising results in the Premier League and an insight into Allegheny Bournemouth in the Championship. And we'll have Sam coming up first, talking about surprising results in the Premier League. It's been a roller coaster season so far with a lot of surprising results and teams doing well and underachieving. Surprising results include Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2, Man United 1, Spurs 6, Leicester 5, Man City 2, Liverpool 4, Leeds 3, Spurs 3, West Ham 3, West Ham 4, Wolves 0, West Brom 3, Chelsea 3, Leeds 4 and Fulham 3. Everton have been uncharacteristically pushing for top four after good results against Spurs and Liverpool. Their performances have dipped recently and will be looking to recapture their good form. After just staying up last season, Aston Villa have been one of the surprise teams this year with good results against Leicester and of course 7-2 against Liverpool. Burnley have also been surprising this season, but for all the wrong reasons. They only have one point from six games. It will take a miracle to revive Burnley's season and Sean Dyche needs to change things to keep Burnley in the league. Both Manchester teams have struggled so far this season with disappointing results, especially from Man United. Home results have been hard to come by with United losing three of their home fixtures and drawing one. United are yet to win a game at home in the league so far. Thanks Sam for talking about the surprising results. So next up we have Liam Madden who will be covering upcoming fixtures in the Premier League. Thanks Liam. The Premier League is back and we've seen some crazy results recently. We hope this weekend brings more of the same as I predict the scores this weekend. Uh, the first game we'll be looking at is Newcastle versus Chelsea. Both teams are playing good football, but I think Chelsea will run the show at St James's Park to win 2-0. We then have Liverpool versus Leicester. Liverpool are missing both Virgil van Dijk and Fabinho, and Leicester are on top form at the moment. I predict a 2-all draw. Uh, arguably the biggest game this weekend is Spurs versus Man City. Man City have struggled in recent weeks, and Spurs have scored the most goals in the league and look a great attra- attacking threat right now. I predict a 2-all draw uh, in that game. In Manchester United versus West Brom, I think Man United will run away with a 3-1 win. Leeds versus Arsenal looks a really good game this weekend, and it might be a very tight affair. I predict a 1-0 win for the Gunners. In other games this weekend, uh, Villa to beat Brighton 2-0, Crystal Palace to beat Burnley 2-0 away, uh, Everton to win 3-1 against Fulham, and uh, a one-all draw between Wolves and Southampton. Thank you, Liam. That was a very, very joyful insight into Premier League fixtures. Next up, we have Jack McGlown covering English teams in the Champions League. Thanks, Abdullah. There are seven Premier League teams in Europe this season. Liverpool, Man City, Man United and Chelsea are in the Champions League after top four finishes last season. Leicester, Tottenham and Arsenal have qualified for the Europa League. The English teams have been dominant in the Champions League this season so far. Each are top of their respective groups. After impressive performances against Porto, Marseille and Olympiacos at home, Man City face the Greek champions away next Wednesday. I expect another comfortable win there. In one of the easiest groups of the tournament so far, Liverpool are cruising after a 5-0 win away to Atalanta. They welcome Atalanta again to Anfield next Wednesday. Man United put on two surprisingly impressive performances to beat PSG and Orbi Leipzig before losing to Istanbul Basak Shahir in a shocking display of defensive football. They play Basak Shahir in Old Trafford on Tuesday. Chelsea are also top of their group. They play Rennes at home on Tuesday. In the Europa League, all the English teams are in comfortable positions to qualify for the knockout stages. Leicester host Braga, Arsenal play Molde, while Tottenham are against Ludogorets. 
All teams play next Thursday and are expected to win against much weaker opposition. Thank you, Jack. Next up, we have Liam Norton, who will be covering an insight into Bournemouth, who are relegated. Thanks, Abdullah. AFC Bournemouth have been struggling since the return from lockdown. After suffering relegation from the Premier League, the club has been forced to sell many of its key players, including Nathan Ake and Callum Wilson, amounting to £80 million worth of sales. The club has not bought any players during the transfer window, except for 20-year-old loanee Rodrigo Raquelme from Atletico Madrid. The players' salaries have not been reduced since relegation, and so the club are spending the most out of any of the championship clubs. To deal with this, the club asked for £7.50 per game to view their live stream of a match, and £2.50 for commentary, which was previously free. Although the club sit third in the table and are the only club left unbeaten in the EFL at the time of recording, striker Dominic Solanke has only provided one goal this season with the majority of the club's goals scored after the 80th minute. Despite their position in the table, the long-term effects of COVID-19 will trouble Bournemouth. Thanks, guys. So now it's back to Eli and Sam who will be covering other topics. Thanks to the football team, up next a segment on the recent American election with a tight final battle between candidates Donald Trump and Joe Biden. With the recent presidential election, we've decided to discuss the different policies between the two candidates who fought it out for the crown. Biden and Trump specifically will be looking at. Thank you for that introduction, David. The topics we'll be looking at are the economy, climate change, COVID-19, immigration and healthcare. First, to start off with Donald Trump. President Trump set up a coronavirus task force at the end of January, which he says has now shifted its focus to safety and opening up our country. The president is also prioritizing the speedy development of coronavirus treatments and vaccines, directing 10 billion towards such projects. For climate change, Trump is a climate change skeptic and wants to expand the non-renewable energy. He aims to increase drilling for oil and gas and roll back further environmental protections. He has committed to withdrawing from the Paris Climate Accord, the international agreement on tackling climate change, which the US will formally leave later this year. And for the economy, the president has pledged to create 10 million jobs in 10 months and create 1 million new small businesses. He wants to deliver an income tax cut and provide companies with tax credits to incentivize them to keep jobs in the US. Uh, Trump's immigration policies include the American-Mexican border, his motto now gone from build the wall to finish the wall and to implement more restrictions on immigration. Trump claims that he will put an end to human trafficking and remove non-citizen gang members, as he puts it, from the country. Trump has buckled down on immigration during the pandemic with new regulations on legal immigration, including limiting the distribution of visas, as well as taking steps to limit people successfully obtaining asylum. For healthcare. Trump wants to repeal the Affordable Care Act passed under President Obama, which increased the federal government's regulation of private health insurance system, including making it legal to deny coverage for people with pre-existing medical conditions. He says he, he also wants to improve and replace it, although no details of the plan have been published. The president also aims to lower drug prices by allowing imports of cheaper ones from abroad. And now on to Joe Biden. 
For COVID-19, Joe Biden wants to set up a national contact tracing program, establish at least 10 testing centres in every state, and provide free coronavirus testing to all. He supports a nationwide mask mandate, which would require face coverings to be worn on federal property. For climate change, Mr Biden's main concern is he would immediately rejoin the Paris Agreement if elected. This is because Donald Trump has opted out of the Paris Agreement late on in 2020. For the economy, Biden wants to raise taxes for high earners to pay for investments in public services and reformation of prison systems, but says the increase will only impact those earning over $400,000 a year. Biden's policy on immigration has a lot to do with Trump's, mainly revising and dismantling Trump's ban and caps on immigration. One of Biden's big plans is to stop the construction of the wall over the Mexican border, as well as provide a roadmap for people illegally living in the country to gain citizenship and expand resources for immigrants already living in the United States. Biden also promises to raise the immigration cap up to 125,000 per year and says that he will work to make DACA, the Deferred Action Childhood Arrivals Program, permanent from his first day in as president. Biden will also send legislation to Congress that would create the pathway for citizenship for 11 million undocumented people if accepted. Um, for healthcare, Biden wants to protect and expand the Affordable Care Act. He wants to lower the eligibility age for Medicare, the policy which provides medical benefits to the elderly. He also wants to give all Americans the option to enroll in a, in a public health insurance plan similar to Medicare. These are the main policies and objectives of the two possible 2020 presidential candidates which could lead America and the rest of the world for the next four years. Using these policies, you can now depict yourself which presidential candidate you would have an interest in supporting. Thank you. Next, we go to Johan, Eli, Matthew and Jake with The Gaming Show. Today, we'll be talking about two games that grabbed everyone's attention and was played daily across the globe. First off, Flappy Golf, a game that is derived from Stickman Golf and Flappy Bird. When it hit the App Store in 2014, the game was a hit. Nearly all classrooms were filled with kids' heads buried in their phone, furiously tapping, full concentration. Six years later, the game is still religiously played throughout all different ages. The game has progressed immensely now, with seven customised skins and 35 unique worlds and nine different levels in each world. Multiple techniques have been discovered to attempt to win this game but due to its simplistic controls, very few are effective. If you're playing this game as a one player, your goal is to get in with as little flaps as possible, even trying to clutch a rare superstar, which is the minimum amount of flaps to get into hull if you find yourself playing the multiplayer game with friends or strangers online. It's whoever taps and flies to the hull the quickest with great accuracy. This game is a very simplistic idea and is actually an incredibly acquired skill to master and control. Another game which has captured the hearts of the people is Among Us. Among Us is an online multiplayer social deduction, like a sort of murder mystery themed game, developed and published by American game studio Inner Sloth and released on June of 2018, but was left in hibernation to only really take off in 2020. The game takes place in a space-themed setting in which players each take on one of two roles, most being crewmates, and a predetermined number being imposters. The crewmates can win by completely completing all their, ta all their tasks and catching the imposter and kicking him out of the ship. 
If a crewmate finds a body, they must report it, and an automatic meeting will pop up for the players to discuss their suspicions. You can only speak during this meeting, which can also be called from an emergency button at the center of the ship. But this is a limited action, and you should only press this button with pure certainty. The imposter only can use the vents in the ship to skip through the ship and has a sabotage button to distract the crewmates. Unlike Flappy Golf, Among Us is a very tactical game, needed a lot of concentration and communication. Many different tactics have moves have been developed to catch out the liar and win the game. Friendships and lies have been destroyed over manipulation and lies spread to allow them to win this game. Thanks for listening to the gaming show and make sure to download these games before the day ends. You won't regret it. The TV show's next. The second season of Peaky Blinders is bigger and better than the first season in every way. Before I continue with the review and summary of the season, take this as a spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't seen the show. The second season is all about Tommy Shelby, the leader of the Peaky Blinders, expanding the family business, Shelby Company Limited. He plans to move the business to London, where he will compete with the rival Jewish and Italian gangs who are in a brutal turf war. His plans are complicated as he is almost beaten to death by Sabini and his Italian gang to be surprisingly saved by his arch-rival, Major Campbell. Major Campbell and the and the IRA are tasked uh, to assassinate a British army official. They decided Tommy would be the trigger man. By the end of the show, it is the day Tommy needs to assassinate the official, but knows he will be killed when he is left redundant. Tommy sets up the perfect plan to carry out the assassination as well as tie up all loose ends with Sabini and Alfie Sullivan's Jewish gang. Just as the plan is about to start, Grace, Tommy's ex-love interest, tells him she is pregnant with his child. Tommy kills the military official and Polly kills Major Campbell. And the plan seems to have worked until the very last minute where Tommy is kidnapped by three IRA members hired by Major Campbell to kill him. Just as all hope is lost, one of his would-be assassins shoots the other two and informs Tommy that Winston Churchill would need him in the future. Overwhelmed in emotion, Tommy goes home to propose to Grace, ending the season. In conclusion, Peaky Blinders is a thrilling show with many cliffhangers and plot twists making it hard to stop watching. I would recommend the show to anyone who is looking for something to watch during this period where we are all stuck at home. Hi, my name is Andrew, and I'm doing a review on the Netflix series The Queen's Gambit. And now, in advance, I'd like to give her a spoiler alert. Now, what is The Queen's Gambit? Normally, The Queen's Gambit refers to an opening in chess where you give up one of your pieces to gain control of the centre of the board and opening up opportunities for attacks. The Netflix original series, The Queen's Gambit, follows the life story of Beth Harmon, a chess prodigy. The story goes from the mid-1950s and proceeds into the 1960s. She became an orphan at age nine when her and her mother got into a car crash in which her mother didn't survive. Beth's father wasn't around because her mother had kicked him out, which left Beth and her mother living in a trailer. Beth was left with no connection to her dad. After the car crash incident, she was sent to an orphanage where she learns to play chess with a janitor in the basement. Her unbelievable ability left everyone perplexed because during the 1950s and 1960s, chess was a male-dominated game. The series is extremely entertaining, watching Beth Harmon continuously beat her opponents whilst battling a drug addiction which developed in her days in the orphanage. In the middle of the series, we are introduced to the only person who can beat her, the Russian chess grandmaster and chess world champion Borgov. Their rivalry is what pushes Beth to work with the people around her to study Borgov's past games and try to understand how to beat him. Her come-up story, going from nothing to beating the world's best chess player, is filled with exciting twists and turns, making a gripping series. I highly recommend. Hello, my name's Sam and I'm doing a review on The Last Dance. Over the last decades, we've been gifted with hours and hours of sports documentaries and miniseries due to the success of various teams and individual athletes. 
However, with the last dance and the insight into the Chicago Bulls team of the 90s, we have been taken through the lives of arguably one of the greatest sporting teams in history. The series condenses 500 hours of footage into 10 50-minute episodes, including never-before-seen footage of the Bulls' 97-98 championship-winning season. In the 1990s, Michael Jordan was not only the most famous sports person in the world, but was one of the most famous people in the world. With appearances from legendary coach Phil Jackson and major players such as Michael Jordan and general manager Jerry Kreiss, they provide interviews revealing their highs and lows of their careers. We are also provided with clips from various seasons and behind-the-scenes footage, such as in the changing rooms before games. The series also adds controversy when discussing Dennis Rodman and his behaviour mixed in with the underappreciation of one of the basketball's greats, Scottie Pippen. One of the biggest attractions to The Last Dance is that there's no background knowledge of basketball or the Bulls needed to really enjoy this series. Hi, my name is River Rogers and I'm reviewing The King of Comedy. The King of Comedy was released in 1982 and was directed by Martin Scorsese, who's perhaps best known for The Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas and The Departed, which he won an Oscar for. The film follows aspiring comedian Rupert Pupkin, played by two-time Oscar winner Robert De Niro. He, att he attempts to achieve success and fame in show business by stalking his idol, a late-night talk show host who craves his own privacy. The film was written by Paul D. Zimmerman, who unfortunately passed away at 54 with four other writing credits. De Niro gives one of his best and underrated performances in the lead role as a quietly, seemingly normal, psychotic and fame-craved comedian still living with his mother. The film succeeds by making Rupert Pupkin oddly relatable while still obsessive. For instance, in his room he has a cardboard cutout of Jerry Lewis, the talk show host he later stalks, who he sits beside pretending to be on his talk show. Some of the best scenes in this film are Rupert's fantasies which play out in his head but are made to seem like they might be actually happening. This makes for some unsettling scenes where you are unsure what's real and what's not. It's ironic that this film was blatantly copied by last year's Joker, which went on to win two Oscars when the film was, it was inspired by wasn't nominated, nominated for any. Although I do think Joker deserves the Oscars it won, it's a shame that the King of Comedy wasn't recognized. Some complaints I've heard is that the film is boring, which I can see why you could feel bored, but I couldn't agree. The film is not trying to be action-packed, it's a character study which achieves its goal but of painting a picture of a seemingly normal man obsessed with fame who you slowly realise is deranged and the ending packs a punch. I can understand why this film wouldn't be for any anyone, but I'd give it four stars out of five. Next up we go to Matthew and Thomas with the jokes. Whizza, whizza, whizza! Uh, the first joke is, what do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. Okay. So one night, a man and a woman walked into a bar, a deserted bar. 20 minutes later, three people walked out. How on earth is it? I couldn't tell you, Thomas. You tell me. The night was, in fact, a night in charming armour and not night time. My God, Thomas, that's incredible. <laughs> That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in.